welcome to another episode of Broadway Broads. I'm Nikki. I'm Steph. I don't like musicals very much. I like musicals a lot. Uh, we're best friends and roommates, and we're going on a musical journey. We are. We're on musical number five. No, four. I don't know when we started counting. <laughs> I think it's four. Now we're on four. We're on number four. So the whole thing is we're trying to get Nikki to not hate musicals. Mission impossible. Mission impossible. And now that you've met Jameson, her boyfriend, we can really say the real reason is because Jameson likes musicals and Nikki wants to be able to like musicals with Jameson. This is not true. It's true. It's partially true because I also want to like musicals with you. Yeah, but you've never wanted to before. Well, just more reason. Not only reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oy what are we going to watch today, Steph? We're going to watch Funny Girl. Funny Girl, the 1968 musical film based on the 1964 Broadway musical of the same name, starring the iconic... Barbara Streisand. Did Barbara also star in the Broadway show? You're catching on, Nikki. Yes, she did By originate George. that role. By George, I think she's got it. Wow. That's coming full circle for everybody who listened to My Fair Lady. Mm-hmm. The amount of musical references that you make now, I just, I'm impressed. I never thought I would see the day, and I won't lie, it catches me off guard every single time. I'm really happy for you. Um, I, I love that for you. Um, <laughs> oh, but you don't love that for you? <laughs> I'm coming to terms with it because I also think part of it is just, um, you know, we're watching the musicals and then I'm editing these shows and I'm putting in music numbers from the movies we're watching. And after listening to everything so many times, it's just exposure therapy on some level. I've just been so exposed to a million times more musical anything than I normally would. So, okay, but you're having into fun because the way that you're like saying it right now, you're acting like it's a clockwork orange and we've taped your eyelids open <laughs> and are just making you watch musical after musical after musical. Like you're having fun, right? <laughs> this was your idea. <laughs> I am having fun. Convincing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm enjoying the process for sure. And I'm in like, I like doing the show with you, of course. Um, but I think it's just something that's happening where over time and editing, I just find myself like singing the song in my head or it getting stuck in there or you starting a line and me finishing a line. And I don't know what to do. Go with it. Who am I? Who are you? Oh, who am I? That's a Les Mis reference. Oh, shit. You don't even know yet. <laughs> <laughs> always has to come back to Les Mis. It kind of always does naturally come back to Les Mis in All one way. roads lead to Les Mis. Yeah. Um, so, what do you know about Funny Girl? Do you know anything? I know Barbara Streisand is in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I now know it was made in 1960 something. Okay, so just anything that I said just uh, now is okay. what you've known. I have one thing that I might know. Okay. And I could be totally wrong, but is this the one where the song um like Don't Rain on My Parade comes from? Correct. Oh my god, I feel like I just won the lottery. Absolutely correct. That? How did you know I that? I don't know. But oh. I just had like a feeling that this was the thing that that song comes from. Absolutely correct. Oh, wow. And you're going to hear other songs that you recognize from this movie. You're not going to tell me any. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to tell you ahead of time, but I'm going to tell you that you're going to recognize it. I want to see it in your face the moment it happens. <laughs> I'll also probably tell you like, hey, I know this song. Yeah. Great. <laughs> That's exciting. And that is all I know. That That's brings it close to what Nikki knows. And do you think that you're going to like this one? I mean, I'm not sure. 
I'm pretty like middle. I don't know. I mean, Barbara Streisand is great. I'm also going to assume that this is more of a comedy, which I like. Um, so I don't know. That's really all that I know about this going into it. Maybe. <laughs> I'm going to go with a solid maybe. A solid maybe. I what think, do you think? I think that you are going to mostly like it. What's our like sing to talk ratio looking like? Okay, well, I've only seen this movie one time before, and it was, I don't really remember when, definitely over five years ago. I feel like the sing-talk ratio we're working with is, God, 50%? That's pretty good. If I remember correctly, the way that this movie is set up is... Because, you know, you're, it's the story of Fanny Bryce, which I don't know if you know who she is. Nope. Vaudevillian actress, comedian, singer, and such. So a lot of the singing in this movie is like a performance within the performance, you know? You're watching her sing for her career, as well as watching the character sing to express emotions or like whatever is happening. So I feel like it's, you know, we're not talking a, a lay Miz 90% here. We're, we're much lower, but. I didn't think it was going to be even like into the woods levels just because. Yeah, less than into the woods for sure. It, this doesn't feel like the type of musical where people are singing everything. It feels like there's going to be specific like acting sequences and then like dance numbers and musical numbers kind of mm -hmm. the lines being a little bit more cut and dry yes that's my prediction i watched an interview with barbara streisand last night um like doing the press junket for funny girl and she was saying you know i act in 50 scenes of this movie i sing in what 10 so would you call me an actress or would you call me a singer i think i'm an actress you know so that is a, a good indicator of sing to talk ratio all right well i'm definitely curious i also think that the 60s in general was an awesome time for film just because of the colors and costumes and you know the way that people generally dressed and the way that movies were generally shot um, i always appreciate that aesthetic so if nothing else, I'm looking forward to that. Definitely. And, you know, Barbara always looks good. I think you're going to like it for all of the reasons that you've already kind of touched on. It's funny. It is from a cool era for movie musicals. I mean, for me, it's like Barbara Streisand. I could watch her do anything. Um, also, the American Film Institute um, lists this as one of its 25 greatest movie musicals so I think like you'll appreciate that accolade um, cool so yeah I'm excited for you to see it all right me too I'm getting pumped me too oh my god are we gonna go watch funny girl that's absolutely what we're gonna go do okay we're gonna go watch funny girl bye To live, just sit and putter. Life's candy and the sun's a ball of butter. Don't bring around a cloud to rain on my parade. Don't tell me not to fly. I simply got to. If someone takes a spill, it's me and not you. Who told you you're allowed to rain on my All right, we watched Funny Girl. We watched Funny Girl. We did it. <laughs> it happened. It happened. Um, and for those of you who did not watch the movie with us or just need a little refresh, Funny Girl is loosely based on the life and career of comedian, Broadway and film star Fanny Bryce and her stormy relationship with entrepreneur and gambler Nikki Arnstein. <laughs> like he's a gambler. <laughs> he's a professional gambler. A gambler by trade. He is a gambler by trade. So the whole film is set up like a flashback where Fanny Bryce reflects on the story of her break into show business, the rise of her career, and her romance to Nick, which starts from a series of backstage interaction, turns into a marriage, and ends in separation 
after Nick spends 18 months in jail for embezzlement. Bet you didn't see that one coming. It was such a weird turn. (laughs) I mean, again, we are loosely based on real life, and that is a thing that actually happened in real life. Amazing. I mean, that was a really good um, summary. There's not a whole lot as far as plot goes to this movie, uh, which would normally maybe bother me, but in this instance it didn't because I just had fun watching the rise of Barbara, a.k.a. Fanny. Um, That's pretty much like Act 1, which I really relished. Um, It's basically Act 1, The Rise. Act 2, Relationship Drama. Tons of relationship drama. Um, Where do you want to start? Oh, real quick. I also feel like it's worth mentioning that this is supposed to take place in the vaudevillian era. So we're talking teens, 20s, 1930s maybe, kind of spanning over that yeah, amount of time i think we're kind of spanning maybe around like i want to say like a 1917 or 16 to like a late 20s almost 1930 that feels about right not based on the costumes entirely but based on what we know right based on the real fanny bryce and the timeline of it we're we're talking like covering 10 plus years in this movie though which y- you might not notice from the movie and I don't think it really matters from the movie perspective but we are kind of let's say we're spanning the decade of the 1920s that's like a pretty solid summary let's talk fun facts let's talk fun facts a lot of big names were almost associated with this like they approached a lot of people for example they approached Stephen Sondheim to do the lyrics the composition or whatever and you know, he read the material and stuff, and they were looking at a different girl at that point, and he was like, well, I mean, you got to get a Jewish girl. You can't Sondheim do this. Said that? Yeah. He was like, you can't do this without a Jewish girl. You need to find a Jewish girl. You know? They, it, Barbara was not a first choice. But she was the original character portrayer in the musical, the Broadway musical. No, I'm talking for casting for the musical. That's why I kind of wanted to talk about this in the episode because it was just really interesting to me. Like, Funny Girl, the Broadway musical happened 13 years after the death of Fanny Bryce. And for those 13 years, her son-in-law was trying to get some sort of story, her life story. He was trying to get it out there, you know? So originally he found someone who wrote a screenplay when people read the screenplay, they were like, you know what? This could work as a stage musical. So they tried to adapt that into a stage musical. And throughout all of this casting process, you know, they they approached... Let me refer to my notes here, but... Like, they approached... Where is that little bit? Like, they approached Anne Bancroft, Carol Burnett. Like, they approached many other people to play Fanny Bryce. And... it. In addition to Sondheim, like, Carol Burnett said, I would love to do it, but what you need is a Jewish girl, you know? And so after, like, three tries with different people, someone eventually thought, like, oh, what about that Barbara Streisand? Because Barbara had, like, been in one Broadway musical. She was still performing in clubs in Greenwich Village at this point, you know? Wow. Funny Girl is what really launched her. She had... A role in like the second act of a Broadway musical at this point. Was Fanny Bryce actually Jewish? Mm-hmm. Well, then yeah, yeah. You needed. Then you need And a the, the whole thing about Fanny Bryce was also like she had the nose. She was unconventionally pretty, but she could sing. She could do comedy. She could flip from comedy to real like vulnerability on stage, which is why, I mean, even though the song "My Man" wasn't in the Broadway musical. And I feel like, yes, feminism, like, the context of it is not great as we look at it through our current lens. But I think it is important to show that, like, Fanny Bryce, as the person that she was and the performer that she was, she could do both the comedy, the shtick, but also she could sing a song like My Man and, like, have emotional depth and be vulnerable. It shows range. It shows emotional range and it shows you know more than just slapstick humor as far as who she was and as a performer Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, exactly i also thought it was fun that like okay yes all of that history about the casting before barbara streisand but 
Barbara Streisand stars in the original role on Broadway, and her opposite, Nikki Arnstein, is Sydney Chaplin, which is Charlie Chaplin's son. No. Which is just crazy. And I also just like got into a rabbit hole because it's like, oh my God, Charlie Chaplin had kids, and he they're kids. also in show business. His daughter, who I forgot her name, but his daughter plays opposite Omar Sharif, our Nikki Arnstein, in Dr. Shivago. So we have like two Chaplin connections with this cast. I have cast. no idea. Isn't that? I don't know. I just like no that clue. tickled me for some reason. That tickled you. It tickled me a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. I talked, well I just told you, but basically part of that fun fact is, you know, a lot of big names were almost attached to this project as a Broadway musical. Like Stephen Sondheim to compose, he ended up not doing it. They had Bob Fosse to direct the musical. After a month, he quit, which is interesting. And I actually, he wanted to cut the song People from the musical. I agree with that upon reflection. I agree with that choice. They, it doesn't seem very Fosse, though, by its nature. What do you mean? The musical. Yeah, because he didn't direct it. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> he did not do the project. Um. They approached Anne Bancroft. They approached Carol Burnett to be um, Fanny Bryce. I love that Carol Burnett said, yeah, I'd love to, but you need a Jewish girl, obviously. (laughs) I mean, they would have lost a lot if you hadn't used a Jewish girl. Well, I mean, regardless of the fact that Barbara Streisand is amazing and like literally the whole show, it's it brings up that interesting question that we're facing again about representation, you know, and how much more value you really get by actually having people from their communities represent characters from their communities. It seems like such a no brainer now. Yeah, but that obviously wasn't the case back then. I mean, you still had tons of people doing, you know, Asian face, black face, whatever. Like it was still super prevalent. I actually thought that the maid or her assistant person Mm -hmm. at first i was like is that person even black because she did not seem at least at first glance like she was african-american so i thought maybe they even did that she looked mixed she looked mixed but afterwards that wasn't like a fake thing that was like a she's just a light-skinned yes i realized that at some point but you know like in my head i think you know when you're watching movies of a certain era that like you know, Mickey Rooney's going to be an Asian guy, you know, or like whatever it is. It's like, yeah. I, I kind of always have that like. You have the, your antenna perked up to catch it. Well, because you know it's there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I don't think that this would have been as successful, not just without a Jewish woman, but without Barbara. I mean, at the end of the day, this movie was a showcase for her. Oh, a hundred percent. I really think that the reason that Funny Girl as a Broadway musical and as a film is as successful as it was is purely because of Barbra Streisand. I agree. I don't think I would have liked this movie much at all if it weren't for her. Well, when you think about the movie, you re- like you start to realize the whole thing was Barbara. There are no supporting characters in that movie. Maybe Nikki Arnstein, but not really, because he's a pretty hollow character. No, it's 100% The Barber Show. It's 100% The Barber Show, which is really a testament to how great Barbara is, because you don't get sick of watching Barbara Streisand be Fanny Bryce. I could have had more. Like, that's the thing. I was like, I want more of this and less of Nikki Arnstein, because I didn't particularly like him as a character or even Omar Sharif doing the the character like I don't know it didn't like click for me the same way that watching Barbara be Fanny Bryce lit up the screen a hundred percent and now maybe you can start to understand my obsession with Barbara Streisand also knowing that this is Barbara's like first breakout role this is her film debut that's incredible that she could carry the entire film on her debut like I didn't know this was like Barbara number one. Yeah. Um, Funny Girl, the Broadway musical, was nominated for eight Tonys, but it lost everything to Hello, Dolly, which is what Carol Channing was in at the same time. But why that is fun to me is because Barbara Streisand will go on to star in the film adaptation of Hello, Dolly. 
So it's like Barbara still wins in the end, <laughs> you know? Um, what else do I have? Oh, even after the success that Funny Girl had on the Broadway stage, when it came time to make the movie, Columbia Pictures didn't want to cast Barbara Streisand. They wanted to cast, like, Shirley MacLaine. Why? Why? I don't understand. Like, you were saying before, all these other people, and I was like, don't they know that Barbara was on the stage? Like, pick the person that did the thing. Right. The best. You already have the evidence. Shocking. But uh, Ray Stark, who is Fanny Bryce's son-in-law, who's, like, the producer behind all of these attempts to get this story out there, was like, no, we're not making the film without Barbara. Like, are you kidding? Did you not see the show on Broadway? <laughs> like, they are, were so adamantly against using a large-nosed Jewish person. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. <laughs> anyway. Um, a little fun fact about the casting of Nikki Arnstein. So... They considered the likes of Frank Sinatra, Marlon Brando, Gregory Peck, Peck, Sean Connery. Um, But they got Omar Sharif because the director saw him eating at the studio cafeteria. (laughs) Like literally while he's eating lunch at the studio cafeteria. Somebody's like, hey, you. Exactly. Exactly. And I don't want to make too many judgments about Omar Sharif because he was in Lawrence of Arabia. He was in Dr. Zhivago. He was nominated for Oscars and Golden Globes and whatever. I really believe it's the writing of the movie Funny Girl that kind of does a disservice to all other characters besides Fanny Bryce. There's this, so the scene where Barbara is singing People and you just like see in the background Omar Sharif just like sits down on a fence and is just like watching her from afar that to me is like that must be what it's like to be on set with Barbara you just have to fucking sit back and watch this brilliant artist do her thing how can you even how can you even do anything it's kind of funny because that was kind of like their storyline in the movie as well Exactly. And it kind of rang very true because, like, he wasn't really of any impact or any import, and she was everything. And that was kind of true, like, on multiple layers of, like, levels of the movie, like, meta. (laughs) No, for real. And that's why Barbara is, I believe, the perfect casting for this role. I think that's also a really interesting lens to view this movie through because... Barbara is the movie. Fanny Bryce is the movie. Everybody else in her orbit kind of doesn't matter. They don't really get developed in any way. You don't get to know them. You don't remember them. You don't care about them. Whatever. But is that also just what it's like to be in the orbit of someone that talented? When you're in a room with someone that talented, with that much charisma, with that much determination and strength don't they just take up all of the oxygen in that room and isn't that kind of what's happening in this movie both within the storyline because we we're viewing everything through fanny's perspective which is very skewed you know but also barbara streisand's performance is just everything it's all we care about it's all i care about it's the only thing i care about yeah, I just wanted to see her do more fanny things. Like, um, maybe I'll help you lead into a fun fact you told me during the movie, but the first, like, major sequence with her in the, what was his last name? The show. Um, Zigfield. Zigfield. In the Zigfield show with the roller skating, mm-hmm. which was, like, kind of the first big, like, the f- yeah her slapsticky type of um, yeah. physical comedy which you told me a little something. Oh, yeah. Um, I watched an interview where Barbara Streisand was doing the press junket for Funny Girl, the movie, and someone had asked her like about the roller skating scene and was it hard to roller skate and do all that stuff? And Barbara's response was, it was hard for me to look awkward <laughs> while roller skating. I had to practice for weeks do- looking awkward with my body and like, pretending like I couldn't roller skate 
The truth is, I was the only one who didn't fall. <laughs> I love that. He's just like, of course, Barbara, you're perfect and good at everything you do. I just loved it, too, because, like, at some point she stops being bad at roller skating when she's by herself and she kind of looks good doing it and i was like see i knew she could roller skate but the thing about that is also once she is removed from the other zigfield follies these women that she considers to be more beautiful and out of her league than herself once she's like taken out of that chorus line and she is allowed to be alone on the stage, command the stage, make her own choices on the stage, all of that other stuff kind of melts away. And she can be truly, like, her pure talent. She's just as good as all those other women. She could have done all of that choreography, you know? She could have done it. But I feel like, again, she puts herself in this box when compared to the other women or when compared to these conventional ideas of beauty and what a star is and what a female lead should be and her reaction to that is to be funny and put the humor in it and like oh if I can't dance on these roller skates like these other women can then I'm not even gonna do it I'm gonna go for the joke it felt very Lucille Ball to me like in some respects yes Fun fact, Lucille Ball uh, was a part of the Zigfield Follies. No way! Or at least she was in, I think, the 1946 Zigfield Follies movie. Okay, so this is a fun fact that I wanted to tell you when we were watching because you had mentioned um, something about Omar Sharif. I don't really remember now. But while they were, rehears- while they were rehearsing the film The Six-Day War between Israel and Egypt broke out. Yeah. Yeah. And the studio executives were like, oh, shit. Like, should we replace Omar Sharif? Like, he's Egyptian. This is a Jewish girl. Like, what do we do? How do we handle this? And they wanted to replace him with someone else. Just take him out just because of, like, that's horrible political tensions or whatever. But Streisand was like, no. You idiots. I'll quit if you replace him. Oh, like, I love her. <laughs> so I just thought that was a fun fact. Because you never realize all this stuff that's going on behind the scenes. And no. like what studio executives are thinking throughout the whole process when you're making a movie. Um, so I just thought that was like an interesting fun fact. Um, other fun facts that I just like to throw out there is Funny Girl the movie was the highest grossing film of 1968 in the U.S. and it received eight Academy Award nominations. Barbara Streisand won Best Actress but it was a tie between her and Katherine Hepburn which I have never heard of happening before. A tie to win an Oscar. I've never heard of that. Mm-hmm. Never, ever, ever. So Catherine Hepburn won for Lion in Winter. Barbara Streisand won for Funny Girl. Barbara wore a crazy outfit. Uh, definitely look it up. <laughs> and Catherine Hepburn didn't show up, so it was cool. Um, Barbara wins. Other fun facts that I told you while we were watching the movie is Mrs. Strakosh, you know, Fanny Bryce's mother's friend who plays poker and like keeps pushing her to get married she is the woman who voices betty boop and olive oil back in like the 30s and such literally the minute you told me i started listening for it and i was like yep i hear it i totally hear it she has that like high-pitched kind of Mm -hmm. new yorky voice that's reminiscent of um what's her face and singing in the rain almost Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The woman that they dub over. Yeah. I loved it. Mm-hmm. That's such a fun fact because this period of time, you're still getting people from, like, the vaudeville days and the radio days kind of transitioning into the new film world, you know? I don't know. It's just a fun fact. <laughs> uh, and then I told you before that they cut, like, eight songs from the Broadway musical and they added three songs for the movie and those are I'd Rather Be Blue, Secondhand Rose, and then My Man 
and they added those songs because the real Fanny Bryce sang those often during her actual career. So they adapted them a little bit and incorporated them into the film. I feel like the the My Man song needed to be there. I really like appreciated that ending. So yeah. I thought that worked really well and was very successful. The other two, they were, you know, enjoyable. I think I'd rather be blue is good to have, especially because it was paired with the roller skate song. So you have that example of Fanny being comedic and entertaining in the roller skate number. And then once she's alone on stage, flipping the switch and being able to be both vulnerable and alluring and emotional, like those two songs put together are a really good example of her range of performance emotions. I agree. Well, if that concludes fun facts for now, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and talk about some more Funny Girl. Mm-hmm. All right. Thinking of you, I'd rather be blue over you than be happy with somebody else. I'm crazy about ya without ya. For you, I'm strong. I can't do without you. So do you want to dig a little deeper into some of these songs and some of these thoughts that we have? Yeah, let's talk more Funny Girl. Mm. What, like, stuck out to us and what songs are we looking to talk about? Well, I feel like we should start at the very beginning. A very good place to start. Oh, man. (laughs) That's a Sound of Music reference. You know how many people have asked me about The Sound of Music? How many people? Almost everybody. Really? Yeah. Oh, we have to watch it. I mean, we have to watch it also because it's great, but... All right, we'll add it to the list. Anyway. We were always going to watch it. You know that. (laughs) You can refuse and refuse, but we were always going to get to The Sound of Music. I just want to do it like your mom. Only watch the first half? Yes. It's a valid way. I'm not going to argue with that. I also am going to say, just to swing it back to Funny Girl, I really loved the first act of this in general, and I feel like that's where like um, a good number of topics come from. So like the first act was really the rise of Fanny and setting her up as um, this character, this person, this go-getter in Hollywood. Well, not even Hollywood. Not even Hollywood. Hollywood didn't exist yet vaudeville hollywood was like starting to kind of exist but not not yeah. quite not like singing in the rain exist no sorry <laughs> um yeah no we're talking like new york vaudeville scene um so the first songs that we really get to after this whole like flashback sequence has initiated is if a girl isn't pretty which is sung by the friends of fanny's mother as she's, like, preparing to go to her first day of rehearsal on her, like, first theater job. Um, and I'm a greatest star. So, like, let's let's start with a girl, if a girl isn't pretty. I actually liked this one. It was pretty funny. Now that we're talking about it, I kind of remembered. It wasn't, like, super memorable to me, and maybe it's because, like, Barbara wasn't in it. But um, I think as girls, like, now that, like, we're told if you're not pretty, you better be smart. But kind of. Was like <laughs> kind of kind of if you're not pretty be funny or smart and uh that rang very true in this number for real life is hard out there for a girl let's all just take a moment to acknowledge that <laughs> and like barbara isn't not pretty right barbara is very pretty but she just like fanny bryce in her time is what some people would say is unconventionally pretty you know, she's not the the mold, the average thing. A.K.A. Jushnaz. <laughs> and what the lyrics of this song is telling us is, basically, you're fine for everyday life, but you're not pretty enough or, like, conventionally pretty enough to be in show business. Like, you're not what a star looks like. Mentioning also that none of them 
make any comment about her talent. This entire song is just about your looks and the value of your looks. False. Her mother, when her mother breaks in with her own verse, she says, is a nose with deviation such a crime against the nation? And then goes on to sing about how her daughter possesses golden talent. Is a nose with deviation such a crime against the nation? So her mom is supporting her. Yes, of course she is. It's the other yentas. It's the other yentas that are like, I mean, come on. (laughs) Standard girl, standard dress size, et cetera, et cetera. And I was also thinking how, like, especially of this era, taking that into context, I think, like, watching it, I was thinking, oh, I'm watching a 60s movie, which means one thing. But when you put it into the vaudeville context of the teens and 20s, there weren't funny women really yet in a major way. Not like this. Not that we've not experienced like, not that in we've like experienced. the last 50 years. Not like but... in a vaudevillian, like slapstick comedy kind of way. Like there wasn't really space for one, women, or two, especially Jewish women, to have this kind of act. Jewish women, I think, is definitely key. There was not a lot of Jewish women representation. But I think it's worth taking a moment right now and appreciating the real life Fanny Bryce, who was exactly that you know she was extremely talented she took up that slapstick comedic space on stage she was a great performer and she kind of she kind of wrote the the roadmap she made the roadmap what's the phrase wrote the book wrote the playbook wrote the book what wrote the book (laughs) drew the map cartography the map (laughs) she paved the way (laughs) she paved the way for the lucille balls that would come later you know felt very lucy but i will say that vaudeville and the zigfield follies like was a space for women to shine and a lot of um good acts and good actresses came out of that space which we don't really remember or think about because we're like pretty far removed from that time true there's probably plenty of unsung heroes of that time um especially like funny women that were trying to do something like fanny was as well but it's actually kind of crazy how much time has passed between us and them at this point. A hundred years. A hundred years. A hundred years. And still, some people will say women aren't funny. Ah, oh, geez. That's true. true. It's true. It's true. <sighs> this makes me really want to watch Fanny Bryce, though. Like, try to find something with her in it. Um, Is there any record? So, you know what we should do? I think that... So obviously there was not like filming of the actual Zigfield Follies performances because that was happening kind of pre-film, pre-talkies, if you will. Um, but I have found some radio clips of her, of her singing. I found a radio clip of her singing My Man, which I think is pretty special, actually. Um, and there was also a 1946 movie I think, called the Zigfield Follies, which involves Judy Garland. And I think Fanny Bryce is a part of it. I think Lucille Ball is a part of it. Um, That's fascinating. Zigfield Follies is a 1945 musical comedy film um, that has Fanny Bryce, Lucille Ball, Fred Astaire, Judy Garland, Lena Horne, Gene Kelly... Um, a bunch of other people that are not as famous in my mind. Oh, also interesting. Um, one of the directors is Vincente Minnelli, who marries Judy Garland. And together they produce Liza one Minnelli. Liza Minnelli. Yeah, one Liza Minnelli. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we should try to find that and watch that. That's very interesting. I concur. Just like how the first song, If a Girl Isn't Pretty, sets up the fact that we're dealing with someone who doesn't fit into the normal mold of what a 
pretty starlet whatever famous person is the next song i'm the greatest star which barbara sings after being fired from that first rehearsal (laughs) um she kind of refuses to take that failure and so she breaks into i'm the greatest star in which she defends the fact that like yes i do deserve to be here i have talent i have loads of talent I'm a great big lump of talent. Um, <laughs> I did love when she said that. I think yeah. it was clump. Oh, clump. I think she said clump. Yeah. <laughs> ain't got it, not a lump. I'm a great big clump of talent. <laughs> it's a good comedic song for Barbara. She does a great performance in that. It also showcases how determined she is to make it how she does believe in herself and believe in the talent that she has. And she does convince, um, I think it was like the choreographer or like the music director or something, convinces him that she does deserve a place on that stage. So he's willing to like slip her in under the radar and give her another chance, even though like the head director has fired her. Does that lead us to... What is that song called? I forget it every time. <laughs> His love makes me beautiful. Thank you. I just do the minute it started. Just a quick setup if you didn't watch. The guy Zigfield hires Barbara as the star, basically, for the ending of his show. Like the finale sequence. Right. Barbara auditions for Zigfield, gets the job. He said, great, you'll do that audition song. You'll also be in the finale. Here's the song you're going to sing. Right. And she reads it and she's like, wait a minute. I can't sing this song like this. I can't sing I'm beautiful and all this and that all earnestly. And they never tell us exactly what the song is, but you, you know, kind of get breadcrumbs of what's to come. And eventually it's settled that she will sing the song as it is written. So, you know, that the minute that that sequence starts, she's going to do something to keep her. Um, conviction as far as how she wants to do the song Mm -hmm. so his love makes me beautiful is a pretty hilarious but also pretty gross um, large production that the follies are doing singing about you know being brides getting married looking in the mirror and thinking to yourself god i look fabulous why do i look so good oh it's because i'm loved by a man And his love makes me beautiful. Nothing about me as a person or my accomplishments, but I have a man's love. And that is why I am beautiful. And that gives me worth. (laughs) So yeah, it's a pretty gross song when you look at it through the lens of today. And apparently through the lens of Fanny Bryce herself, because she could not sing that straight. She could not sing that as it was written, as the direction to perform it was she had to put her own spin on it and nikki what was that spin she is like walking down and all the other follies kind of you start seeing them like spread apart or like separate and she shows up in a wedding dress like nine months pregnant and it was just so good it was so good the reveal was exactly what i wanted I didn't expect it necessarily, but I was just like waiting for it. I was like, what's it going to be? What's it going to be? I almost thought she was going to make herself ugly, like put on ugly makeup. But the pregnancy thing was just (sighs) chef's kiss. Yes. Oh, my God. You've been spending too much time with your sister because she always says chef's kiss. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, but it was perfect because it's a play on words as well. So she stuffs a pillow cushion under her dress to look nine months pregnant and she sings the line, I'm the beautiful reflection of my true love's affection because he got her pregnant. Of my love's affection. Yeah, she makes all of these. She, she hits the, the words at the right time comedically and makes funny faces at those types of words, you know, to play up the pregnancy part of it which is just so great it's so great 
yeah, I think that pretty much exactly transitions to Act Two's major topic, which is her relationship and and that belief and that insecurity is really what keeps her tied to Nick. And like kind of you and I were talking about it after the movie, that's like a tale as old as time, a woman who goes for the hot guy and is like, look at this hot guy I got. I'm with the hot guy. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So we meet Nick Arnstein on the night of Fanny's stage debut. And he will pop up periodically over the next few years in Fanny's career, always coming backstage, congratulating her, you know, saying, you're so talented, you're really going to make it, and inviting her out, but she always refuses. And part of that is because she approaches the whole relationship with like, ah, you don't really want to hang out with me, like, you, you're going to go, like, hang out with those beautiful women, yada, yada, yada. Um, but it's also worth noting that He's like pretty upfront about who he is and what he does from the very start. The minute he started giving her the I'm a wanderer spiel and like I like to travel and I don't. Oh, he says something like I don't have plans. I don't make plans. You know, he said something to that effect. And I was like, girl, Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm, turn around, walk away. Don't don't do this. Don't, don't do you this. do this. It's not worth it. He's a professional gambler for a living. He tells her this. What do you do for a living? I gamble. Straight up. He's like, I don't make plans. I don't like to be tied down. I don't like the feeling of being tied down. Okay, he's a rolling stone. Let him roll. Let him roll on out of your life is what I say. Oh, Fanny, Fanny, Fanny. So we have like the night of seduction with your woman, I am man. This was so hard to watch. It, okay. (laughs) It is another pretty icky song that is really only made good by Barbara Streisand's comedic delivery, you know? Every song was improved by her comedic delivery. Like, the songs that don't have her comedic delivery in it, I barely remember. Because there aren't any, Nikki. You're right. Literally, there, there are not any songs without her coming into it besides the first one which is the women talking about her you know this is the only song that is her singing with omar sharif ever in this movie you know and i think that it started off being a song for the nikki arnstein character and they decided it did not work and they wrote in her character to make it more of a duet so it was still you are woman i am man or whatever but like he was just gonna sing it to her (laughs) that's so much worse it's so much worse (laughs) this song again from a modern day lens is so cringeworthy because we basically have our nikki arnstein male character reinforcing the narrative that like your worth as a woman is determined by me as a man my perspective as a man you're small so i can be big you know you're soft so i can be tough (laughs) and all of these gross comparisons that i just can't i just was so cringy it was was so so cringy cringy. if even if omar sharif was a good singer i couldn't have paid attention to it because i was too busy like cringing (laughs) during that whole song yeah it's rough it's just rough stuff you are smaller so i can be taller than know or really acknowledge that this was a true story or based off of a true story going into it and I just remember during a lot of these scenes in the second half I kept thinking like why are you doing this to her <laughs> like, why can't she just like I wanted to watch more of her being her and you know, making her way up in the vaudeville world or whatever it was. Like, I was more interested in her career and her as a person than the relationship. But, you know, at some point you reminded me this is the story. So, Mm -hmm. but I agree with you. Like, the detracting factors are everybody else. Absolutely. And I agree with you. Like, 
I much rather would have preferred the main story being about Fanny and how great she is and what a career she carved out for herself and having her relationship with Nick be the side storyline that she has to overcome and bounce back from. It didn't need to be so much of it. Like, we could have focused more on Fanny and what she was doing despite the Nick storyline, I think, for Mm -hmm. a lot of the movie. We could have had an alternate universe. Well, after Rain on My Parade, I kind of was hoping, and I didn't know the real story, that he was going to be like, nah, I'm going to be alone now. And she would have to figure out how to come back from that you know like I kind of was looking forward to a resolution where he maybe denied her and then she had to pick up the pieces and figure out how to exist again and like find her way back in her career I don't know I really would have been into that Mm -hmm. so let's set up that comment a little bit first so the one final takeaway that I want to make from I am woman you are man or whatever I am man you are woman whatever that song is (laughs) um is that by setting up that masculine and feminine dynamic between the two, we're also setting up Nikki Arnstein to eventually become emasculated by the success that Fanny reaches. That'll be important later. True. But what you're referring to is after that night of seduction, she decides... I've been focusing on my career too much. I've reached success. I haven't reached success in my personal life. Like, I want to get married. I want to go for this guy. This guy, his love makes me beautiful. Oh, good. (laughs) Um, So she decides that she's going to leave the tour that the Follies are doing. She's going to leave it two weeks early. She's going to chase Nikki Arnstein onto a boat bound for Europe. Because he has a plan, after losing quite a bit of money at the races, he's a plan to win back his money by gambling his way across the ocean to Europe. And once Fanny gets an idea in her head, you cannot get that idea out of her head. Correct. So she decides, I'm going to chase him. I'm going to surprise him on that boat. It's going to be great. And if not, I guess I'm going to Europe. But all of the other follies tell her don't do this this is a bad idea did he ask you to come with him did he ask you to get married like why are you ditching our tour your career everything you've built for yourself for some guy and i think it's worth noting that like every other presence in her life every other character in this movie is very clear about, like, it's not like Nick is some great guy. None of them think he's, like, the bee's knees. No, he's not the bee's knees. He's a gambler. He's a rolling stone. Like, yeah, he likes you. He loves you. Sure. But he's not asking anything more of you. So why are you giving him everything? Yep, pretty much. That's pretty much what happens. Pretty much. And then she pretty much brings up getting married, and he kind of is like, Okay, let's get married. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then everything kind of goes from there. Absolutely. So Fanny and Nikki, they get married. They have like a nine-year marriage where Fanny continues to be successful in her career. And Nikki continues to lose money on his various gambling um, ventures. And we have to encounter all of these issues of him feeling emasculated and her trying to like fit inside the box of being a perfect supportive wife which she's like not very good at but also no one is asking her to do that she's like putting herself in that box but eventually nikki does this whole ponzi embezzlement scheme goes to jail gets out of jail and that's finally when barbara streisand as fanny brace realizes that like they should separate which was his idea he was like we're not good for each other yeah we shouldn't do this anymore yeah i mean it's pretty Mm self-explanatory so when she sings that final song my man it's kind of processing that she still loves him she doesn't care about the negative consequences of that love but i don't care 
It's her man, I guess. When he takes me in his arms, the world is bright. All right. Well, I think that pretty much does it for us and Funny Girl. I guess that's it. I hope you guys watched it too, because, um, you know, my sister called me the other night and I mentioned that we watched Funny Girl and she said, oh, you know, I don't think I've ever watched a Barbara Streisand movie. And I think despite being Jewish women, I don't know if I've seen that many Barbara Streisand movies either. So it was kind of funny to be like, you know what? Um, yeah, I told her pretty much instantly, like, start with this one. This one feels like the right Barbara to start with. Like, I enjoyed it. Um, I enjoyed her. I don't know if, like, the movie gets it, but she gets it. I mean, Barbara Streisand is the movie. She's the movie. There is no funny girl without Barbara Streisand, which is kind of crazy to think that, you know, an actress playing the role of another actress, but totally eclipsing that original subject matter, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. People don't watch this movie and go, oh, man, Fanny Bryce. Like, what a trailblazing vaudevillian performer, you know? They watch the movie and go, holy shit, Barbara Streisand is amazing. Yep. I would agree with that a million percent. The movie itself is forgettable, but Barbara Streisand is unforgettable. Mm. So, also, oh, let's talk some analytics real quick. Yeah, so if you had to give the movie a rating out of five scantily clad follies, (laughs) what rating would you give it? Man, I can't wait to hear what you say for that every time. Um, Well, the sing-to-talk ratio, I feel like, was pretty spot-on as far as, like, a one-to-one. And the music itself was very much, like, we're acting, we're singing. And a lot of times the music was part of the diegesis like of the show within a show and I liked that a lot it made it feel a lot less musically and more like uh, White Christmas or Singing in the Rain than like Into the Woods um, I'm gonna go with like a three out of five scantily clad Zigfield Follies but a five out of five American Beauty Noses Oh, five schnozzes for sure. <laughs> Barbara gets 100%. <laughs> five, five out of five schnozzes for Barbara. Um, also, 10 out of 10 ginormous fingernails. Oh, my God. Yes, we have to take a I moment. I just need to talk about her hands. And talk about Barbara Streisand and her nails. Her hands feel so much larger than the rest of her. I mean, she looks like she has, like, long piano fingers is what I would call them you know when people have those long thin fingers and you think oh they would be good at playing piano but then she puts literally these acrylic nails that they've got to be an inch and a half inch and a half extension of her fingers and it's 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 witch-like is what it is (laughs) and the way that she like puts her hands in the air or like in her space the way she she's expressive with, with her, her hands hand. that's why she's such a great performer is the way she uses her face and her hands it's just like oh but yeah with those nails you can't stop looking at her hands sometimes i, <laughs> I just couldn't stop thinking about her hands oh my goodness <laughs> and she paints the nails in like this nude color so it really does look like her fingers are just miles long so big Oh, oh man. my goodness. <laughs> I really want to know how that started for her, why she does it, like what's happening with the nails. Barbara. What a trailblazer. Tell a me. A nail blazer. Oh, geez. You're proud of that. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. How was it watching for you again? I enjoyed it. I mean, I think I said in the before that I've only seen the movie once, and that was definitely more than five years ago. But I've listened to Barbara Streisand sing all of these songs just like as part of my Barbara listening. And I've watched other people perform Don't Rain on My Parade and like things like that. So it was interesting to revisit the music 
in the context of the film again, I don't think I had really remembered all of that Nikki Arnstein stuff. I think I really... Just blocked it out. Uh, yeah, I think I really just remembered her comedic performances more. That's what and, I would come back for. And the ballads that she sings because, you know, she's so good at them. Um, I was surprised that you did not recognize the song People because I think it's the most commercially successful song to come out of this musical. And also just like such a part of Barbara's repertoire. <laughs> I didn't recognize it. I feel like maybe you sang it once and that's where I may have heard it. Or maybe like I listened to a Barbara Streisand album once upon a time and it was there. But I definitely didn't recognize it like Don't Rain on My Parade. That one was the most like, yep, okay, I know the song. Yeah, I kind of, I don't know why I expected it to be the opposite case. But I mean, I do like the music coming out of this movie. I am healthily obsessed with Barbara Streisand like butter she's like butter her voice is so like smooth. butter i so love smooth. it like butter. Um, so yeah i enjoyed the experience i would watch it again i mean there is a sequel funny lady i don't really have any interest in seeing it but i did read that barbara streisand did not want to do that sequel but she was contracted to do that sequel like they would have to go to litigation to get her not to do that but she ended up agreeing to do the sequel because she read the script and she liked it because fanny had a little bit more agency her her motives were a little bit better than the first so it's like yeah. uh is that our third act is the sequel but i don't exactly. know exactly yeah i felt like some of those things definitely held back funny girl but alas that's what it was what I'm really curious to know is what Barbara's thoughts on the movie are now. You know, after time and space have passed. Yeah, I wonder the same. I mean, especially because it's her breakout performance and there's something always like tied to that beyond the story itself. But um, I'd be curious about that too. So what I want to know for, from you Okay. One last question for you before we end is, now that you've got a taste of Barbara, what are your thoughts on Yentl? <laughs> I knew you were going to speak Yentl. <sighs> There's a big difference between, like, vaudevillian comedy and shtetl-like life. <laughs> so you're not ready for, like... I need a little bit of a break, I think, before we tap back into Barbara now as a shtetl crossdresser. But um, you're open to Barbara in other musicals, like Hello, Dolly, we should probably I've watch. I've never seen Hello, Dolly. She gets to be funny in that one again. Barbara's good at comedy. She's excellent. Absolutely excellent. Um, I'm pro-Barbara. I also think we should watch On a Clear Day You Can See Forever, because that one just sounds bizarre. Okay. Um, but but what do you want to do next? I was going to ask you what we were going to do next because we have some requests, mm -hmm. and I encourage you to let me know, our faithful listening audience. Yeah, all sixteen of you out there, we do take requests very I'm seriously. Requests very very seriously. <laughs> um, so the two requests that I can tinker with right now are Little Shop of Horrors and Cats. Then I think it should be Little Shop of Horrors. I'm fine with that. I've never seen it. It feels like a very iconic musical that like everybody has on their musical roster. And I have no idea I anything think about it. Like, is it pretty L.A. too? I feel like they sing about Skid Row or something. It's been a long time since I've seen that. Or maybe I've never seen it in its entirety. Maybe it's just clips that I've watched. Who knows? Who can tell? I'm pretty sure it's on HBO Max. Oh, currently. that's good then. It's got Rick Moranis in it, right? Correct. Okay, yeah, that's on HBO Max. The only thing I know is the little shop, little, little shop, shop of horrors. horrors. That's all I got. It's got um, a bunch of people that you'll recognize, actually. I'm game. 
Yeah, I think that's a, a fun one to do next. All right. Well, I guess next time we oh. are going to do Little Shop of Horrors. That's a request from Johnny. Thanks, it's Johnny. New York, not L.A. My bad. Oh, <laughs> how dare you? I know. How, how dare, dare you I? confuse us for New York? Ugh. Oh, your cousin suggested yeah. this? Yeah. Mm, shout out to your cousin. Thanks, Johnny. Um, yeah. So I guess that concludes Funny Girl. That was Funny Girl for you. That was Funny Girl. I am, again, like I really liked it. Unlike everything else we've watched before, except for maybe Bye Bye Birdie, I would watch it again. Oh, high um, praise. It's annoying, though, because I really want to find something I don't like as much. So, <laughs> Rent, here we come. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're not going to like Rent. I can't wait. <laughs> All right, well, this has been Broadway Broads. I'm Nikki. I'm Steph. Well, and we will is. see you next time. See you next time. I am his forevermore.